This podcast was recorded live on March 4th at 10 p.m. Things may have changed since the time of this recording. Please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I am Samora, your host, and the fellas are here for another episode of SJH Man Cave. We are live on Facebook and looking forward to another fantastic conversation. You can follow our Facebook page at SJH Man Cave and our Facebook group at SJH Podcast Family to get notified when we are going live and engage in discussions we have throughout the week. You can also see our videos on YouTube at SJH Man Cave. And with all that being said, let's dive right in. So, fellas, I want to go way, way back, six months before you moved in with your wife. It's Friday night, and you just got paid. Between that Friday and the next Friday, what are you spending your money on? What are you doing with your check? And, Jason, I'll start with you. Broke. (laughs) Broke. Broke before I even got that money. I'm broke because I'm going and buying half of the bar. <laughs> so irresponsible with all my money. Yes, I was. Okay, so we said six months. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't have to go back that far then. Because six months in, I wasn't always drunk at the bar. That was maybe about three, four years. <laughs> so six months, uh, I was, I actually wasn't doing too bad with money. I was living in Vegas at the time. I guess six months before I met the wife mm-hmm. and you know, I was working the majority of the time. We didn't really do too much hanging out and kicking it and stuff. So I had a little bit of money. I didn't do anything to save it or anything like that. I shoot. If anything, I think me and Hudson just went and tried to beat each other out and figure out who was going to get, the, who was going to best pick out the best dinner that night. Where we going to eat at? Where we eat? <laughs> That's pretty much how it worked out. Like most of my money went towards eating. So, uh yeah, food and the occasional case of beer. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I mean, I didn't. Uh, I my I, I'm a little bit more recent as far as moving in with my wife than uh, than Jason is. Jason is going back some years now. Me, I'm only going back. Uh, you uh, say years, years like that. Though. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, you know. Um, I mean, for me, it, it was, man, I don't even know, man. I, I just know that the, the money just goes away quick. And I'm not saying I was making like, I wasn't making like six figure money, but I was making enough where, where, where a person living by himself should have been doing just fine. But I mean, I look up and, and by the time Thursday comes around, I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm getting my check tomorrow because <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking like I'm, I'm lighting a wallet right now. So, I mean, for me, I guess it was just it was just eating out, hanging out with people and and just 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 doing random stuff. There was nothing specific I was spending my money on. It was just gone. I didn't have one specific thing that I was spending my money on all the time, except video games. Uh, anytime a new game came out that I loved, of course, I had to have it. But otherwise, I, I didn't have one particular thing I was spending it on, but I was always looking forward to that check when it was about to come. Uh, it could be food. It could be, you know, sometimes clothes. Sometimes I was giving money away to, like, you know, my family or whatever, but I, I knew consistently when those two weeks were up and that Friday was about to come, I was desperately in need of money by the time I reached that point. So, you know, 
we we all live this lifestyle and then you get married. And then usually at some point <laughs> and then at some point you end up sitting down and having the talk. And no, this is not the talk that you have with your kids about how you deal with the police. Talking about that talk that you have about, okay, how are we going to deal with finances? How are we going to sit down and figure out what kind of financial decisions we're going to make as a couple? And sometimes that include your spouse going over the things that you buy and saying that it's all nonsense and saying that it has to stop because you're trying to build this future together. So I'm curious, you know, have you all had that kind of conversation with your wife yet? And if so, and if so, you know, did you avoid it or, you know, were you the one who said we need to sit down and make sure that we have this conversation? I, I tried to avoid it. I mean, you know, <laughs> and I mean, I just, <laughs> I, you know, and I don't know why, but well, I know why I, I, I like to spend on what I want to spend on and, and I, I just want to call it a day, but, you know, I knew I couldn't avoid it forever. I had to, you know, I had to pony up and say, okay, you know, but, but let me make clear when, when, when we decided we were going to be together, it's not like I, I withheld money. You know, at that point I was like, okay, you know, whatever's needed, take it all. I don't, I don't care. Just, just leave me like 20 bucks or something <laughs> to, to get back and forth to work, you know? And it was actually her who said, okay, look, you can't live off $20 for the week. Tell me <laughs> what you really need, you know? So, I mean, she's always been, well, okay, don't don't be starving yourself going to work every day. Look, tell me what you actually need. So, I mean, for me, yes, I tried to avoid it because I don't know best to describe it to me. It's like going through an audit. I mean, that's what it's like to me. It's like <laughs> just sitting down going, okay, let's look at everything you took in. Let's look at everything you sent out, you know. And I'm like, and I'm like hey, let, let's be honest. A lot of us spend money on bullshit. So, you know, I mean, right. you know, it, it could be a window to the soul. And sometimes you don't want your significant other to see your soul too quick. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, well, going in, I think I did. I don't. I don't want to say unfortunately. What happened was is when I met my wife, we both pretty much had no concept of what money was. We wanted to go and we wanted to have us a good time. So when we first got together, we dated. I'm talking, we dated. We dated like it wasn't nothing. Let's go here. Let's go to Bar Louis tonight. You know what? Let's drive out to uh. Uh, uh, what's that? What's that city out there in uh Indiana where they always having concerts and everything else like that? Hammond. I took her to concerts. It wasn't Hammond. It's uh, South. Bend. I can't remember the name of the stupid town. Either way, everybody, anybody black listening to this concert, they already know what what it is in Indiana. It, 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 I don't. That's where all the black folk go. That's where all the concerts is. That's where everybody goes to spend some money. You know what I'm saying? Like we went out, we dated, we we was downtown, we was cabs and all kind of mess that's going back and forth and doing everything and we just had a good time we were having fun we weren't thinking about nothing other than getting to know each other having a good time with one another and just being as spontaneous as romantic as we could be then she got pregnant and then it was like okay 
we can't we can't we can't necessarily do this no more. We gotta we we actually gotta we had we actually have to figure something out here because now we talking about bringing a life in. Cause my you know my wife she got pregnant a year in a year a year after we got together. Mm-hmm. So that that sprung up on us real quick. So you know kids make you real responsible or. They just make you even shittier and whatnot, depending on the person that you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, for us, it's, it's like, okay, well, this is important. So now we need to mess with, we got to get our funds together. We got to, we got to make sure we write with everything. And what was bad was, is I was always in and out of work. <laughs> I couldn't really hold a job. Like, I, re- I really just, I wasn't into working. I really wasn't. I hated work. I didn't like going to work. It just wasn't my thing. It really wasn't. I, I since I was since I turned eighteen to the age That's of twenty five, so I can't so even true. count. <laughs> I can't. I can't count how many jobs I had between eighteen and twenty five. I really can't. I lost count when I turned twenty two. I, it, it deep down in my heart, I still haven't forgiven you for fucking up the job. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know. Hey, oh my uh, god! All right, this man told me he was unemployed. I, I he was. I was like, hey, come on over, apply to my job. I talked to leaders like, yo, this is my boy. Y'all should let him on in. They let him on in, gave him a decent job, and I noticed that for a few days straight, I wasn't seeing him at his desk. I was like, yo, what happened to my boy? They were like, oh. He didn't show up for a few days, so we had to let him go. And and best believe, some of the leadership over there let me know that they were well aware that I recommended this guy and said <sighs> and said that he should that they should put him on. So yeah, folks, you know you got to be careful when you're putting on your people, all right? And, and actually step in back. my defense. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's necessarily now. defense. There ain't no defense. You stop. I'll be perfectly honest ain't with no you. No defense. <laughs> I don't even remember how I lost that job. I really don't. <laughs> I don't. It, I don't remember it, if I just didn't come like, back. I don't remember. It sounds like you lost it by not showing up. It's like a no. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, there had literally been jobs where I just didn't. Where I just was like, you know what? I'm good. And didn't even bother coming back. And I yeah. don't remember if that was one of them. Like, I think I might have had to call off a couple times because of that job. And they was just like, no, you brand new. You'd have called off too much. Look you know, don't even bother more. no more. Some more. Some more. Some more. I used to be I used to yeah. be with this dude right before he has to go to work. <laughs> he just be late for no reason. <laughs> just be like, dude, what is you doing? Don't you Yo. work in ten minutes? <laughs> Yo. No, sir. No, Gentlemen, I will, I will be the first no. one to sit here and admit to you when it came to having a, a, a real job etiquette, that did not come until the later years. I just okay. would like to note for all of our listeners, all right? There's three black men on this podcast. <laughs> Only one of us is the is the shiftless brother who late for no reason losing jobs left and right. The other two have kept a solid job their whole lives. So you don't don't oh, use whatever. this podcast as, as an indictment <laughs> on all the brothers. Some of us oh, understand whatever, <laughs> we we need that nine to five. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were all, both of y'all are real responsible. Just because you only had two or three jobs your whole life. Nobody cares. So when I had 12 gigs, I was always working. How about that? Yo. 
Yo. It just depended hey, on what hey. everything didn't graft on to me like that. I, hey, I appreciated that job, dude. But when I sat there for the first couple weeks and was having to answer them phones and read them damn lists and shit, I no, nah, dog. I couldn't. Hey. I, I Wait, thought you didn't remember the job. Now it's all coming back to me. I, <laughs> I remember the job. I just don't remember what made me quit. <laughs> I don't remember the circumstances behind it all. I digress. As, a, as I was saying, like I wasn't always all that in work, and I, and I was always in between gigs and stuff, and there were times when stuff got a little rough because I lived in that age. Well, you know, when you lost a job, you could just get another one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that big a deal. Remember and then, you know, days? the Bush era came around, and it was like, damn, we can't get no work. This is bullshit. Now I actually got to hold on to this shit job. <laughs> so when she got pregnant, you know, it, it turned, it was one of the situations where I, I had lost a gig, and I was out of work for a couple months. And, you know, it was like, okay, it was real stressful. So I ended up starting to work again and I was, I, you know, I got myself in a decent position. We ended up getting an apartment and stuff together. So we never actually sat down and had a real conversation about our finances other than the fact that we knew what we were going to have to do in regards to, you know, what we got to do to provide for this kid. Hey, this is, this is going to be the price and whatnot for milk and stuff like that. It never really got into a long-term talk about what our future was going to be. Everything kind of happened from moment to moment. So it was like, if it's going to happen from moment to moment, we got to take it step by step. And, you know, when we put, when we started pooling our money together, Cynthia always made more money than me, plain and simple. So in her mind, she was in charge and that's just what it was. <laughs> and, you know, I, as, as much as I feel like I shouldn't have, I let it ride. It's just like, you know, you do make more money. That's fine. Uh, you, you, I, I have to say so on what it is that we're planning on doing. And when we melded our money, that's where things got kind of weird at first. And to this day, there's still some intricacies that, you know, we still deal with in regards to, you know, depending on who's spending the money, it's whose money it is at the time. And then it's our money. So, you know, we have that back and forth from time to time. (laughs) For me, (laughs) For me, hold on. I spent so time, so much time making fun of you. I don't forgot the question. <laughs> um, oh, did I try to avoid the talk? Uh, you know what? Honestly, no. Uh, because right around the time when I was moving in with Samantha, um, you know, I pretty much knew that I wanted to marry her, and I had all also had an opportunity to watch what was going on with my father. And my father was someone who I never felt poor growing up, even though my family wasn't rich. I just always felt, you know, that, hey, we we're good. We're cool. Uh, And part of that was because of, you know, how skillful my father was. He was, you know, teaching computer science at night. And before he had kids, he was making way more money as a computer programmer. And I saw how his skills as a programmer in Fortran was no longer really in demand, making it much more difficult for him to find work and putting him, you know, in a much more sensitive financial position. 
And so by the time I was ready to get married to Samantha, I had already made the decision that when I'm in my 60s and 70s, that's not the situation I want to be in. When I'm in my 60s and 70s, I want to be relatively sure that I can that I can be comfortable. I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be running around in Lamborghinis, but I don't want to be worried constantly about my finances and about my future. So by the time it, it, it was time for me to have that conversation with Samantha, I was already pretty open to change. You know, and I won't say that I'm the one who started the conversation or who brought it up or who said, hey, we should talk about how we're going to limit what I spend on and all that kind of stuff. But when the conversation was brought up, I didn't fight it. You know, I made it clear. I understand that I do have to make some changes in order for our family to be in the best situation possible. And, you know, what, what is that? What does that framework look like? I was so, like, just take my money. Like, don't don't talk to me about nothing. <laughs> right. Leave me alone. Don't ask me nothing else. Here, it's yours. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Absolutely. So as a follow-up to that question, I wanted to ask, you know, when you had that conversation, was it as hard as you thought it might be? And it seems like for you, Hudson, it wasn't that hard that you were already kind of in give in mode, let it go. Well, it, it, it wasn't hard at all, honestly. I mean, so, mm-hmm. so you know, I think what a lot of people do that we didn't do was, was is that we didn't look at any past spending. We didn't look at it at all. We just decided we're going to move forward. So mm-hmm. there was no, like, going back and say, because honestly, why? Why? You know, it, it's it's the the talk was okay do you have any current bills that you that mm-hmm. you that you have now right um do you need them you know because if we're combining everything i mean obviously do we we can get a joint cell phone do you have that we can go in one account blah blah all that kind of stuff so you know so since it was a conversation moving forward it was like you know i think what a lot of people do they go back like six months and a year and nitpick every little thing. And, and that's kind of a double-edged sword because if you're doing that, right, you go back and say, like, oh, two months ago you went to McDonald's and you spent $20. You know, it's a double-edged sword. So I'm like, bitch, you were with me. You you were saying, hey, I spent that money on you. You know? And, and, and that just You had a double cheeseburger too. <laughs> you know? That just starts an argument mm-hmm. because it's like, it's like let, let's be realistic. It's like when, when you a guy, you're trying to impress your your woman. And one of the things that you that most guys naturally do is they make sure they take up the tab. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's on a lot of things. You're not spending a whole lot of money going out because I'm spending the money. So, you know, at that point, what are you doing with the money you got? Technically, mm-hmm. technically, that's our savings. You know, technically, <laughs> since we decided we're going to get married, that money that you've been saving these past six months for me taking you out, that was our savings. That's our money, right? So... I mean, it, so so don't don't try, uh, look for for any women listening. Don't try to go back six months and nitpick that because you're gonna find out a lot of that money was spent on you, 
and tried to impress you mm-hmm. and you were happy then. So don't be mad now. <laughs> <laughs> right? So so mm-hmm. um so I think that was a great thing is that we didn't dive into the past and, and that's in general how our relationship is. It's like there are certain things we know. Like we know we dated other people. What's the point of dive into mm-hmm. all that? Like, like, like I'm giving you a resume and go in with what happened with her. Why aren't you with her? Mm-hmm. I'm not with her because I don't want to mm-hmm. be with her no more. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and vice versa. I wasn't all that. I didn't care about, you know, you, you with me now. I'm not worried about who you were with six months ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. So that's kind of how we've always kind of carried it. So I, I think that helped the conversation and made it go like really easy. I, I want you to know my, my wife is ripping it to you in the chat. Like, why? Did you really say why? You can't make a budget or a forecast without looking at past trends. <laughs> the, you are. Ooh, she was straight accounting on you, <laughs> son. I was about to say. <laughs> you were poking at the accountant in her. <laughs> so, know, Hudson? I, I understand that. I understand that logic. I do. I do. But, mm-hmm. you know, I also, though, went into the mindset of there was going to be a whole lot of stuff I had to change anyway. And and as mm-hmm. I do know my trends, like like I as I do know that a lot of it, like I said, it was nothing specific. It was just BS. It, it's me stopping at the mm-hmm. stopping at the gas station, picking up five dollars worth of snacks before I go to work. You know, it, it was mm-hmm. me deciding to instead of cooking a meal at home or making a sandwich, I'm going to go and and get some Burger King or something, you know. And, and so since I already knew all of that and I'm already open to, to changing all that, it's a simple. All right. We're, we're going to cut fast food to X amount of times per week. It's we're going to do, you know, so right. I, again, it was when you go back so far, it, it's. Uh, to me, it's almost inviting just for a lot of people. It just invites a problem to me. Conflict. Right. Got you. Mm -hmm. Prince CJ asked in the chat, do you believe bills should be 50 50 between a man and a wife or should a man take care of 100 percent of the bills and she takes care of home? Uh, For us personally on this podcast, all of our wives work. I don't think any of us are paying 100 percent of the bills. So that must be nice. <laughs> I, I, I say, if, if any motherfucker that's out there taking care of all the bills in this house and what, that I give you all the props in the world, and I, I give you props to the game that you play and the, the hard work that you put in. I love fifty fifty. Thank right. you. I'll, I'll let me handle something. You take care of the rent, or I take care of the rent. You go take care of the gas bill, electric bill. Wh- which one you want to do here? We got a joint account. I offered to. uh to be the guy taking care of 100% of the bills and Samantha be at home. But Samantha is deeply passionate about being an accountant. So she was like, no, I want to work. I have to work. At which point I said, well, then I should be the person at home. I mean, you're passionate about what you do. You know, like, why can't I'll make, you know, do some little cleanup, cook some meals. As long as I got some more free time for myself, it don't bother me. It doesn't affect my masculinity one bit. (laughs) You going to do the cooking, Seymour? Yeah, I sure will. If if I was able to stay at home, I'd take care of the cooking. You, I would. you 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 were able to learn how to do that then. Yeah, I, I would. I'd have to take some classes. 
Okay. <laughs> I'd have to. That would be good for like the first years. Like, I would no, have to no, get no, some no. structured learning on this. This is true. This is true. He, but I make it had, happen. <laughs> he had to get a side piece in and be cooking and whatnot for you on the side or something. That's, you're going to have to. You're going to hire somebody. That's why I say, I say she needs to keep rising through the ranks. She says if she makes six figures after taxes, I can stay home. <laughs> so I, I every time she's getting a new promotion, I'm like, yeah, baby, keep it going, girl. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> I think to kind of to kind of answer that question, I think there's no way that you can. I think it, it, it's always a team effort, because even if you say, "Okay, I'm taking care of all the bills, I'm taking care of all the," you know, the, the still the only reason she has money is because you're paying it. You know what I mean? So it, it's still. Mm-hmm it's not like that she's going to go and take that money for the most part and just spend it on her alone. I mean, that, that's just not typically what people do. Right. And so, so for me, if I'm paying all the bills, well, well then, okay. Then she's the one probably putting money away for us to retire. So either way we've both went in on the bills, you know, it, it's that whole thing of it's our money. It's our money now. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't look at it as I'm paying this portion and she's paying that portion. It's our money now. So going back to the uh, topic question, we were asking, was it difficult to have the conversation? And Jason, I know you said you feel like you all didn't really have a direct structured talk like that. Not, not in the beginning. It, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't something that we like we both knew what we had to do. Uh, we, we both knew what, what our financial situations were. We both knew what we were bringing in at the time. And we basically just kind of divvied the stuff up as at that point. Now, when it came to, you know, once we got down the line and kids started getting older and we started looking at situations, I started looking at my past. Like, you know, I want to have stuff. I want to have things like my father did. I want to have my own house. I want to have my own home. I want to have a little summer joint somewhere where we can go and we can you know, chill out when it's winter time and stuff like that. I want to, I want to have those types of things. So we would sit down and we would have conversations about saving. You know, we pull the pen and paper out, we write stuff down and it, it always looked good on paper, <laughs> but, uh, in you know, practice. in practice, it just didn't work out. And it, and it wasn't because one person was doing it and one and the other one wasn't, we both were equally, you know, saying like, okay, well, we could save this money or we go have us a good time. Let's go do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were, we were both in, we're both in on any decisions that we decide to do with the money that we bring in. And we, we haven't made a whole lot of solid decisions when it comes to future endeavors and stuff. But I mean, it, it I've seen, we've, we've been in plenty of situations where we've been able to sit down. We've been able to have conversations and actually have a full blown discussion and an honest opportunity for one another to say, you know what, these are where my deficiencies are. These are where your deficiencies are. Well, let's work on this and let's work on that. And we've made strides to do that in many different situations, even though we've, you know, taken steps back and from time to time, but we both generally know where we have an idea of where we want to be. Now, there's certain things that I wanted that she didn't necessarily want in the beginning or just certain things that I would bring up that she never really thought about having. And I would just tell her kind of like how my past was and how things were when I was a kid and how I felt about it and some of the stuff that I wanted my kids to be able to enjoy. And 
I wanted them to have the same experiences for, you know, it opened her mind up to a different train of thought, just like she would give me ideas and the things where it's just like, you know, well, okay, maybe my money going into that may not necessarily be the best thing. You know, we, we both are able, we, like I said, any time, any, any given time, we're able to have a decent conversation when it comes to our finances, even though just on, on the other side of that coin, we didn't have our arguments at the same time too. Cause I know I didn't look at the account and she'll look at the account and it'd be, it, I love it. Cause we always ask questions and the way we ask questions, I know what it's going to be. <laughs> so what was, uh, what this was $200 this here? Can you explain uh, that? <laughs> so who is that? Who is this? Because you know when you look at your bank account, it's always some unfamiliar name there. You just kind of like, huh, <laughs> what's that going on? What's, what's that all about today? So, you know, we'll either give us the, huh? Or the, oh, you say who now? I don't even, let me. And we pull the mess and we grab the phone and we go look in it like we don't know. Like, oh. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Give me a minute. Let me get to work and I'll find out who that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So we still got our moments and stuff, but like we we've still been we we still have our conversations from time to time when we talk about making sure that the kids will have opportunities and they'll be straight if something happens to us. Us if we're if we're getting older once the kids are gone. Not even when the kids are gone, but just as the kids are here. Like we still want to be comfortable. We still want things and that that there's there's certain just just like I've been talking about at the beginning of the years that, you know, I wanted to get us into a house. You know what I mean? We've been we've been living this apartment life for the last twelve years. And I'm ready to own something. You know what I mean? So and this is actually the first year we were having this conversation where she was kind of on board with it. You know what I mean? Like she, she really was thinking about it for herself too. And it's something that she wants too. Nice. And before it was, it was like for her, it was kind of like a fear where we just didn't have information on what it is on how to get what we want and things like that. And that kind of, you know, put up a little blockade for her when it comes to that type of stuff. But, you know, it's like I say, we, we have good conversations and we get information to one another when we both are kind of concerned about things. And we try to make ourselves feel comfortable with the decisions that we're going to make. So nice, nice. We're still in the process of trying to make things happen, and we backslide, and we we take two steps forward, and we still argue, and we still get along. So mm-hmm. I think we we normal at this point. <laughs> For me, um, it's interesting. You know, sometimes you think about doing something, and you think it's going to be extremely difficult, and something you're going to hate. But when it actually comes to, you know, to the time where you have to do it, it's not really that bad. And, you know, I was terrible with money before I got married. Not only was I terrible about spending money, but I also love gambling. So it was like on so many levels, Samantha was terrified of being financially tied to me because it felt like I was, you know, the polar opposite. <laughs> you know, she's very careful with money, very careful about trying to build a solid fi- financial foundation. And I was just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I'll get more money eventually. It'll be fine. You Texas know, so. hold them. Here I come. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I used to love going to the casino. It was absolutely my thing. <clears throat> and so, you know, as part of that financial discussion, it wasn't just about stopping those spending habits. It was about stopping those overall habits I had that were not conducive 
to, you know, a, a positive financial future. So now it's to the point I don't go to the casino anymore unless I'm actually like out of state. If I'm on vacation or traveling somewhere, then I'll go to the casino. But as long as I'm in city limits, I, I never go unless her grandmother comes because her grandmother equally loves <laughs> going to the casino. Mm-hmm. So every time she comes, I have a I'll, I'll open pass. To, OK, go ahead. As long as I take her grandmother. So it works. But <laughs> honestly, wasn't that hard. You know, it's one of those things where. I made a decision in my mind, this is what's best for you. This is something you have to do. So there's no use in whining and complaining about it and doing a whole bunch of back and forth about it. You know it's good. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. So, <laughs> Man, look, I still got days where I be sitting there like, man, I'm about to buy this. And she'll be like, no. And I'm like, I work two jobs, man. <laughs> I want this transformer. I'm Don't- getting it. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We have those conversations all the time, Samantha and I, where I'm like, look, we are a middle class family. All right. We are we are not bottom barrel. We ain't broke. We ain't like scrounging around for every cent. Why is it that I can't just get this two hundred dollar item? It is just not going to break us. (laughs) And and she'll be like, no, we don't need it. We don't need it. Thank you very she much. She said, once she cracked the door, you just going to bust it right through. That's the problem. You know? <laughs> $200. She's probably phone. right. <laughs> Yo, if you hey. give me 200 what's 500 Like, come on now. <laughs> hey, that's the fun part about my wife, too, is like I can mention something and I'll be like, she'll tell me no. But then nine times out of ten, she's going to get it for me anyway. Mm. <laughs> so I can't. I can't. Shit, she's sitting right, but I kind of secretly <laughs> like I I I pulled I pulled the trigger. I was like, "Baby, can I have this?" She'd be like, "No," and I'd just be like, "Okay." See, my wife isn't like that. Most of the time, if, if she says no, it's because she really means it. Every so often, she'll surprise me, but most times, if she says no, I'm never going to see whatever it is that I want. <laughs> so then, my f- next question is: um, We've all, at least on some level, had this dialogue with our wives about. Uh, financial related matters and how we're going to handle it. What advice could you give younger brothers who are stepping into being married for the first time and trying to figure out how to have those kind of conversations in a productive way? And Jason, I'll start with you. Uh, Don't go into it. No, first of all, if you're going to make a decision that you're going to be with somebody, you have to have understanding that you, that's a commitment. You know what I mean? When you're making a commitment to somebody, it actually means something. Or at least it should mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're making a commitment, it's not about just committing a certain part of yourself to that relationship. When you make a commitment, you're committing yourself, everything, the whole deal. If you're not giving your whole self to it, then ain't no real point. You're wasting your time, and there's no point in even going through it. That I think that should be the first thing that you have to understand. If you're not going all the way in, don't bother. Don't stress yourself out about it. Why? Why even put yourself in a position that way? Where you, you if you want to be free, be free. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna go in, go into it with both feet in, and and take care of it where you need to take care of it. You know what I mean? Commit yourself to that person because you'll appreciate yourself for it at the end of the day, just like that other person will appreciate you. Uh, when you go into it, go into it honestly. Try and go into it at least with an open mind. 
because uh, things are going to change. It's not going to be what it was when you were single. When you were single, the only person you had to worry about was you. And that's it. So when you want to go into it with somebody else, yeah, you got to think about them. You, When you make decisions, you have to think about that other person. You have to think about what the situation is in regards to being with that other person. Well, what is it that you're planning on doing with this other person? What kind of future are you looking for with this other person? Are, are you fully committed into doing this in, in, in the point where you have to change your life? Because it's a life change. Because I remember being single. I remember being broke and being okay. It was cool when being broke and single. I that shit sure it didn't was. bother me. There was no problem. I ain't got no money. Oh well, <laughs> that wasn't no big deal. It's coming at some point in time. But when you when you with somebody, you married, you got kids, and you ain't got no money. This motherfucker throwing themselves off of roofs and bridges and shit because of that. And actually, this shit is serious. It's for real. I'd have been, I'd have been, I'd have been in a relationship. We weren't married at the time, but I was out of work for a year, an entire year. Well, I, all I was doing and what I was working on weekends, making a couple bucks from time to time. This woman had me on a time clock, my friend. <laughs> you understand? You need to find you a gig, boy, because you can't just keep living here and being like this. It's pressure, not only pressure for for yourself, but it's pressure for that other person who wants to be supportive of you, but at the same time. They still got to live and they still have responsibilities that they have to take care of as well. So that looking inward part and only thinking of yourself is totally out the door at that point. You got to, you got to get your mind right. Like everything that you do when you wake up in the morning to the time you lay your head down at night, you have to have some kind of thought of what this other person and how you're going to affect their life along with your own and vice versa. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's an important decision and it's an important thing that can either make or break you. It can make you stronger to have somebody who depends on you, who works just as hard as you do or thinks about you as much as, as you should them. It can make you stronger and it can fuel you to do things that you didn't think it was possible to do. Or it could be the polar opposite. It could tear you down. It could tear you both down if you allow it to. So it just depends on what kind of person you are and what kind of the relationship you want to be in. And I feel like being perfectly honest at the very beginning, honest with yourself mainly, being honest with yourself, you have to say whether or not you're about this or you're not. Because if you're not, don't do it. If you are, make it happen. I say a a big mistake a lot of people make is that they don't have this talk before they before they like before they move in together before they and, and I'm one of them I'm one of them and it didn't turn out to be a mistake we're just fine but um what people should actually do is have this talk when when they're talking about okay we want to move in together they should have that talk then or or at least before you know they start because you know I think it just sets a good tone of, of you all are going to try to cover as many possible because look, let's be honest, you know, a lot of marriages end in divorce and like one of the biggest reasons that marriages end in divorce is money. So, so that's a very important aspect to, 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 to not talk about. So, you know, for me, I, I, I do, I procrastinate 
on on things like that. So so for me, but but the funny part about me is is that I'll procrastinate and then when I get the mind to it, I'm full steam ahead. Okay, now I want to I want to talk about it. And and that's and that's how I am. And that's and and my wife absolutely hates that about me because it's like, wait a minute. Really? You weren't, you weren't ready to talk about this two weeks ago. Now you want to talk. And, and now now hold on, buddy. We ain't gonna just do this on your time. Okay. <laughs> I need to prepare for this talk right now, too, because you, you can't just come in here, mm-hmm. you know. And and I'm like, you know, I'm super petty. So you know, I'll force the talk because you know I'll I'll end up I'll take whatever subject I want I want to discuss and 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 make a plan for. You know, I'll just oh okay, and then the next day I'll come along and I'll take a piece of it, say hey, what do you think about this? And I'll just keep like pecking at it <laughs> until mm-hmm. fine, Hudson. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. You know, <laughs> but I mean that's mm-hmm. how I've always kind of mm-hmm. been. I'll I'll just peck at it until. You know, I, I kind of get my way, I guess you could say. But you know, so I will. Right. So I say for young people, you know, you, you don't want to be like that. You want to just go ahead, um, get that talk up front, and know what what you expect, what both of you expect from each other on that front, because it's super important. Uh, I mean, the way us three have been talking about this, this is incredibly important. And then you got to understand there's different aspects too. You know, it's not just we're spending too much or we're not making enough. You know, it's okay. You know, if if you just try to say, I'm just going to save money, I'm just not going to spend as much. Trust me, it's not going to work. You need to have a goal, right? And, and let, trying to let the money pile up in your bank account is not, is not a goal. That's not... I, I mean, you're going to gain like five cents interest on 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 half a million dollars by just leaving it sitting in the bank. OK, well, how, how much money are you going to have if you start off with ten thousand dollars in the bank at the end of five years? You're going to have ten thousand dollars in the bank. That's it. You're not going to get a bunch of interest <laughs> off of it that you need to have investment mm-hmm. plans. You need to know. What, what, how much money you want to have when you're set to retire, when you want to retire. If you have kids, you know, how much do you want those kids to have when it comes time, when they turn 18 or when you pass on? You got to have all that together. And so it's a very in-depth talk that you're not going to be able to have in one sitting. I'll tell you that right now. You can't just have this talk in two hours and, okay, we're good, and wash your hands. Okay, we're fine now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. This talk needs to happen over a course of time, but you at least need to have a base before you all decide to move in together. That would be my advice, because if you don't, you're going to you're you're liable to find out some things. I got lucky. I got lucky. But that don't happen for a lot of people. You're going to find out some things that that you just totally don't agree with and it could just damage your whole relationship. So. That would be my advice. Have the talk early <laughs> and, and 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 have a set time when you are going to revisit the topic and move further into the topic. You know, my advice coming from the standpoint of someone who did have to make a lot of changes as far as how I dealt with money coming to this marriage, I feel like it's really, really important 
to take a step back and know who you are at your core and what do you really, really need? Because when I step back and look at it, I was like, do I need to gamble? Do I need to spend money the way that I have in the past? If I stop doing that, would that take away what I felt like was a fundamental part of who I am? All right. Because there's only, you know, everybody's got to make changes and sacrifices in a marriage, but there's only so much sacrificing you can do. Right. There's, there's a core, there's a center of who you are. And if you chip away too much at that, it you're just going to hate yourself or you're going to hate your marriage. And it's going to become a negative and toxic situation for you and possibly your spouse as well. So it's important that you try to come into the situation understanding this is what I used to do that I can let go. But this is what, you know, whether or not it might not necessarily be positive, but I need some part of this in order for me to be able to move forward you know, in a positive way. Like for me, I love video games, video gaming. As soon as I left the house, it was the first hobby I picked up. It'd be very difficult for me to stop. And I know sometimes my wife is disgusted looking at me buying, you know, these $500 consoles and $60, $70 for a game of pop. You know, she looks like, why? <laughs> why do you, you know, spend so much money on this hobby? But it's important to me. It's a, it's a, it's a part of my life and it's probably my main getaway. And if I try to just stop that, even though from a financial standpoint, maybe it would be better for my family, for my own, you know, personal mental well-being, it would not. You know, so those are the kind of you have to consider, you know, what do you really need? What do you feel like is is a core part of yourself? that you don't want to have chipped away at? And what are other things that honestly you can let go for the good of your marriage and your family? I so, think that's a very important thing. You murdered? Be, be realistic. Be realistic. Because mm-hmm. if you go in saying, y'all ain't never going to eat out, that's unrealistic. That's unrealistic. Come on now. I mean, put... Put something in, try to say you're only going to go this X number of times if you can, but don't try to pigeonhole yourself. I'm only going to go out Saturday nights or whatever. Just mm-hmm. be flexible, but, you know, don't don't try to – we ain't never going to eat out. We always going to eat at home, and we always going to get the generic brand. We always – nah, I, I don't want generic brand cereal. I hate generic brands at all. So, so we get <laughs> we get in the real <laughs> cereal, you know. Like there's right. things that I mean, like Samori saying, you got to be realistic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you got to be able to keep yourself sane at the same time too. I mean, shit, it's enough stress out in this damn world that's trying to fuck around and kill you. If you can't have your damn video games, hell, what you want me to do, come home and murder everybody? God damn. Let me buy my games. <laughs> Shit. Shit. It could be worse. You want me to go out here and buy weed and alcohol? Is that what you want me to do? That's what the rest of these motherfuckers go out there and do. They go and find a way to get away from life. Them niggas go and take pills and shit. I just want to play the game for a minute. And actually, you know, since we're on discussion, I think it's equally important to note, you know, Samantha didn't fight me on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like... um, 
There are some ways where I made sacrifices and came towards her. There are other ways where it's not money that she would spend. And sometimes I'm sure when she looks at our (laughs) bank statement, she's sorry to see that money go, but she doesn't fight me on it. So that sacrifice, that consideration, it's a two-way street between both people. Both sides have to be sensitive to what the other person needs in order for the marriage and that conversation to be successful. So um, last question, revisiting the first question, brothers. It's Friday night. You get your check. How are you spending that check over the course of the week? And Jason, I'll start with you. Broke. Still broke. I'm still broke. Broke. Except now it ain't it ain't no more cases of bills and shit. It's bills. Okay. It's bills. <laughs> bills. It's rent. It's goddamn car note. Goddamn cell phone bill. Especially a cell phone bill that I didn't add a damn 12 year old onto. So the damn cell phone bill is bigger now. And now she wants phones and earbuds and everything else. I'm broke. That's why I have a new Friday. I'm broke. And I ain't drunk. Hudson, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? <laughs> Nowadays, um, the kids might, might uh, or the wife might wanna, want me to pick up a pizza. You know, uh, other than that, the money, the money just, you know, goes wherever, you know, honestly, wherever my wife wants it, you know, um, I don't really, you know, <laughs> I don't <laughs> now. So I, so I guess you could say I'm broke, too. I mean, <laughs> you know, if we look at it from those terms, I don't, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but I mean, just just like Samori noted, I mean, you know, the the whole thing didn't end in a lot of restrictive things for me. So, so, you know, there was a whole lot of things that just like you said, weren't important to me to, to continue doing. So, um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's for the kids, it's for the wife, it's for the family now. So, I mean, really Friday, all Friday, it looks like maybe getting some pizza Maybe getting a movie out the red box, uh, you know, unless I find something on, on Netflix or something, you know. So there we go. That's right. <laughs> Just some popcorn going in the microwave, you know. <laughs> that's what it is. That's, what, life that's, what, that's where I go. And then the rest of the week is, is where, what bills is going to go to, what groceries we're going to get, and there you go. Nice. Ooh, nice. Woo! Yeah, party. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> for me, it's pretty much the same thing, Hudson. Uh, my wife has several different accounts for <laughs> each type of uh, bill we might need. So there's a there's a house bank account and a, a tax bank account and all sorts of other things. And every time I get my check, parts of it are divvied up and sent to these little different accounts that she has set up where all of our bills get paid. So um, what's changed for me is though, now I do save. So every two weeks when my check comes in, a portion of it is sent over to my bank to a savings account for me. And you know what? I have to admit it is kind of nice because I don't have a card for that savings account. I almost never go in to look at it. I just let that money pile up. So it's nice to actually open up my app and just be like, oh, I wonder how much is it? And whoa, oh, this is going to be a nice Christmas. You know, like I'm not used to that at all because I'm used to spending money as soon as I get it. So this whole 
concept of, hey, you let the money grow and do things with it, um, it's it's somewhat new for me. Now we've started playing more with Robinhood and some of the investing apps, just kind of trying to dibble and dabble and, and get a feel for it. At some point, we probably will get some um, professional consultation about some different ways we could be investing our money and things we could be doing with it. But at this point, I'm kind of <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm still in that mindset of make more money. And so, you know, that's part of the reason why I started up these several businesses between the podcast and the travel business that I've been doing and my own personal YouTube page. It's, it's kind of like I want to get those going and get start getting a revenue stream from them. And then I'll figure out, you know, how to invest the money. But first, I want to make more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh you know, my money gets spent much differently than it did before I was married. But honestly, it hasn't affected my happiness. I'm not. I, I think about I, I agree with Jason that when I was broke and single, it didn't really depress me. It was fun. I was like, whatever, you know, but <laughs> I don't necessarily uh, I don't miss those days. You know, I look back on those days and it was fun and it was cool. But at the same time, back in those days, I didn't have Simone. You know, I didn't have my wife, so I wouldn't I wouldn't trade what I have now for what I had back then. Man, the way you describe uh, Samantha, I'd be be sitting there. I'd just be picturing her with that calculator and the and the paper coming out the end. And she got on the hat little, with the green visor. Yeah. Visor you just you just walk in, Basically. bring the bring the check to her, and she just go smoking a cigarette Come on with it. Right. That is absolutely her. Absolutely her. And she takes great pride in it. And I honestly I take great pride in it. You know, I feel like as a human being, you know, when you're trying to create a team. You should try to go for someone who is strong where you are weak and then where you can be strong where they are weak. And I feel like that's definitely what Samantha and I have. You know, Samantha is strong when it comes to organization and keeping track of money, et cetera, et cetera. Not so great at getting the best out of life and actually enjoying life. And I help her do that by showing her how to spend money properly. <laughs> so, brothers, I appreciate both of you. Um, hopefully, some of the people listening got some valuable information about how to enter into that discussion and make sure that it's productive for uh, their spouse and their family overall. Moving on, as we always do, ending with sports. I don't have anything football related. Maybe you all do, but I do want to talk about how little I'm looking forward to Space Jam. I don't understand why LeBron James has decided to follow directly behind Michael Jordan. He got on Twitter or something and released some images for Space Jam today. And it's to try to get everybody pumped up and ready to go see this movie. I have zero interest. And I feel bad because I really like LeBron James. I love the way he stands up on social issues and is always willing to speak out. I have a huge amount of respect for him, especially in comparison to Michael Jordan. But I do not understand why he put himself in this position of basically following behind, directly behind Michael Jordan's footsteps. This is ridiculous to me. Uh, They paid him. 
And I'm but pretty no, sure they, they paid him a ridiculous amount no, of money. No, no. But this <laughs> is his production, though. It's his, like, production company. So he could have done whatever but he wanted But is it under somebody, though? Is, I'm, I'm assuming it's under somebody because you can't get Warner Brothers characters unless you're paying for them. Probably. So I'm pretty sure it's under Warner Brothers. At the end of the day, it's LeBron James. He could have done any movie he wanted to. Yeah, like, come on he's getting now. paid by Warner Brothers, I'm pretty sure. <sighs> he getting money. Oh. It don't matter. You can make it. Hell, Michael Jordan made a horrible decision. Space Jam sucked. I don't, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but I, it was terrible. I only and saw Michael, it once. And Michael Jordan was terrible. Well, see, we got to <laughs> understand what, what Space Jam was. Space Jam was a, was a prelude to, to Jordan coming back to the league. And that's what made the movie significant for 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 the people True. who weren't kids. Now, in this case, it's LeBron James. He hasn't left the league. He hasn't. So it, this doesn't have you the same playing. like this doesn't have the same like effect as as when when Jordan did Space Jam. It was like okay, it's Jordan coming back. It's Jordan, you know. I mean, this that, mm-hmm. it pretty much led up to him saying, "I'm back." If anything, you should be upset at the movie industry even further at this point. This is them dragging shit from the past and throwing it on a fucking movie screen and making you spend money on it. These motherfuckers just remade Dune. I'm waiting for him to start shit. Fucking Dune wasn't popular since the 80s. Why are you remaking it now? That I just got fit. I just had an argument with my wife. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even an argument. They made Coming to America 2. How do you even make this movie? How do you how was the concept? Okay, so you got the Prince of Zamunda who came here, who didn't want a Celine Dick, wanted one woman, came to New York to find her, but the concept for this movie was he got drunk in a bar and fucked the chick and got her pregnant. How that work? How is that even possible? The funny thing about that, too, is I've looked at some of the reviews for that movie. Apparently, it's like a super family-friendly movie, you know, <laughs> which Coming to America was not. Coming to America was edgy and and had a, a real, I feel like it's edge is the best stupid. way. Edge is the real word for it. I don't understand how you then go to this family-friendly Disney-type movie. I, I'm confused. Mind Hollywood. you, I'm still going to see it. It's a whole bunch of talented black folks in there. I'm a support. I'm gonna go see it, but oh, God, <laughs> I refuse. I refuse <laughs> to spend my money on some shit like that. How dare you regurgitate some bullshit like this? I, mean, I, I don't shit, think this, that's this fair. This should be worse than goddamn. What was it? Independence Day two? Fucking twenty years later, you come up with the, oh, you know what? We just made up a story for part two of Independence Day. That shit was cool in the nineties. How it take you twenty years to come up with another script? I'm sorry, dude. And then the movie sucked. It was horrible. It Hollywood has there is no imagination anymore. The only imagination they have right now is these superhero movies. And them motherfuckers is gonna start getting stupid too soon. I, I can give a fuck about how Marvel is doing. They they phase four and five and all this they, this big popular plan. But after a while, the superheroes and shit is gonna start going down the drain too. 
I can guarantee I, you that shit. Hollywood I, is at a loss at this point, man. I'm sorry. This, this shit is I terrible. agree with you that Hollywood does way too many sequels and way too much rehashing of stuff that has been done before. I don't agree, though, that Coming to America 2 is a good example of that. Like, it's the perfect America, example. It's not. There's a perfect. Whole, there's a large section of the black community who has been clamoring for a sequel to Coming who? to America. What, no what, doubt what about community? it. There Which was a one? Huge, there's Which community a, was sitting waiting for there, coming to America too? There's a huge section of the twenty years like thirty years later. Not thirty years later, and we go 30, and we get to see Eddie Murphy reprise his reprise his roles of all these fucking people he did. We gonna watch Eddie Murphy play ten people again see, at the all these the ass movies he's been doing when they suck. This is the real problem. You don't really like Eddie Murphy like that. I don't like the fact <laughs> that you got... Uh, that's really what it comes no, down to. <laughs> Goddamn Coming to America was the 80s, bro. I was a right. kid when, when Coming to America came out, okay? Right. I'm a grown man and have no... Re- I come from... I, when I was in school, we fucked around. We sat down. We we we, we wrote story storyboards. We wrote. That's where Hudson right. gets his prowess from. That's why I admire him when he does his writing and shit. People wrote fucking stories out. People came with plans. People came out with scripts. Shit that makes sense. This makes no sense. The motherfucker fucked around. Part of the first movie, I don't want to soil my old my my royal oats. Mm-hmm. Okay? He came to America to find one woman. It was Brawls throwing pussy at him the whole movie. <laughs> he said no. Now the concept of your second movie is he gave up some dick to some random chick in a bar and now he has a son. How do you write that script? How do you write that and say green light? <laughs> give, him, give him the budgeting, give him the money to make this fucking movie. I'm sorry, dude. If, if, if people were clamoring for coming to America too, great. But you got to give me a better concept. You got to give me a better plot. You got to give me a better fucking script. Because that's fucking stupid. This is actually part of the criticism that was made. One one second, one second. This was actually part of the criticism that I've seen in the reviews that I've seen about the movies. Because it was written by the same guy who wrote and created Blackish. And they're like, it looks like, it looks basically like he took that family-friendly, you know, black element of Blackish and then basically tried to do the same thing over and coming to America too. So it doesn't come off as a sequel. It feels like it's a totally separate movie and doesn't have a, a real follow through Hudson. What were you about to say? Well, uh, well, first I, I thought when I first heard the plot that I thought it was going to be like a twist at the end. Cause you remember in the original Arsenio Hall's um, character was pretending to be mm-hmm. Prince Amunda to get some tail. Mm-hmm. So, what I thought was going to happen as a plot twist in part two was we were going to find out that Eddie Murphy may have blacked out or something, but he did not actually do it. And I thought we were going to find out that maybe it was Arsenio Hall's character who actually did it, posing as Which might happen. So I thought that was going to be a plot twist. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I was thinking that's how they were going to write that script and make that work. But secondly, on the whole point of coming 20 years later, they do that with these, like, uh, and I know we don't like to consider black movies as cult classics because, you know, we think a cult, I think we think a cult as like a, a white person, white people thing. But um, 
it, it's a cult classic. So just like with Independence Day, it, it, it's been a cult classic. People watch that every doggone 4th of July. It's like a marathon of that <laughs> shit. So, so they decided finally, yes, we're going to write a script and see if we can see if we can um, um, build off of that. And I think they try to write it like Samori's talking about in a way where it seems like a totally different movie because it's a, they want to get a totally different audience. And and they know the possibility of a lot of people not being alive the first time it came out. So just write another <laughs> fucking movie. Jesus Christ. Stop <laughs> stop pulling on the coattails of shit and whatnot that was popular back in the day. Just write another fucking movie. Stop giving it the same name of that bullshit and you just, just give just make another goddamn movie. This Why is that so hard? This is just you and Eddie Murphy. There's absolutely no reason. That I can Eddie give a Murphy, shit about Eddie Murphy. I told Eddie you what my Murphy problem with it is. Do there's no absolutely no reason Eddie Murphy can't do a sequel to to something that he basically created. Forty like, years later, it's not like Hollywood reaching back and pulling up Space Jam makes zero sense to me. Like I don't understand. I don't like that shit. It's, it's okay. <laughs> But this, if he wants to do a sequel to Nutty Professor, if he wants to do a sequel to Beverly Hills oh. Cop, if he wants to do a sequel to The Golden Child, come on now. Why can't Eddie Murphy do that? Like, to me, it makes sense. And see, okay, they're, well, they're pulling up. Dave Chappelle can't have a season. I mean, they're Dave Chappelle up, can't uh, have a season five of The Chappelle Show? Come on now. They're pulling up The Matrix now, too. I mean, uh, now and that that's going to be that's horse al- shit. That's almost 20 years now. <laughs> Since that last one came out, so I mean they're they're gonna look here, man. I'm just tired of Hollywood destroying everything and shit that was been good. I just spent the last decade watching Michael Bay destroy my fucking childhood with all these shit Transformer movies, and all we gonna keep doing is dipping further back into the '80s and pulling shit out our asses now because it was popular then. So why won't we just regurgitate it now and turn it into some bullshit and just piss a bunch of people off? Because I guarantee you, after this fucking movie come out, it's going to be some pissed off people. I promise you. Because the movie's going to suck. It's going to suck. I guarantee you it's going to suck, Samori. I hope you go spend your money and you find out it sucks. I'm okay? going to watch it on HBO Max. Or Either way, you spend the money. Channel comes out you paying on. for it. That's all I got to say. And you're going to be pissed that you paid for it. Okay? You're going to ask for your $14 back, whatever it is they charge it. You're going to be mad. I promise you. <coughs> back to Space Jam. Uh, not only am I irritated that LeBron James is running up behind Michael Jordan, but I just, I don't understand the purpose of this movie. And people have already started being (laughs) upset. Apparently they redesigned the, um, whatever it is, the the little female bunny, Lola bunny or whoever she is. She was like a, a, she was designed almost like Jessica rabbit in the first movie, like a younger version of Jessica rabbit. And now they've like completely taken away all those features that made her kind of, you know, like a babe or whatever, and made it just look like a regular kid. People were heated on Twitter. They were like, this is feminism ruining things again. Yada, yada, yada. Wait, (laughs) motherfuckers was mad because the rabbit don't look like a chick? Yep. (laughs) Okay, then there's something wrong with them motherfuckers then. Why are you staring at a cartoon rabbit? 
Yo. Why okay. why are you mad because the cartoon rabbit ain't got titties no more? That's... There was okay. a, a, right. a, a long wall of guys talking about how much they love Lola Bunny when they were a kid. And I was like, who are you people? Huh? Jessica Rabbit? I understand. Jessica Rabbit. Man, shit. you might want to check Bunny? some of them profiles, man. Some of these motherfuckers <laughs> might be pedophiles that's upset about that <laughs> shit. Because ain't no real grown man mad because the rabbit don't look like a chick no more. That don't make sense to me. <laughs> I, that's like being mad because hey. Jessica Rabbit went and had a breast reduction or some shit. Like, what? Look, it's a cartoon. What the fuck look, are you doing? Look, man. Everybody has their own separate childhoods, you know. And everybody's all, and- a fucking weirdo. Yes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Apparently, there's a community out there of bunny, bunny titty lovers and shit. I, I, I was not aware. <laughs> you apparently have let me into something I did not know about. I don't see this movie doing well. Except for the fact that it is a kids' movie, and there's always the possibility for a movie geared at the youth to blow up, you know, because the little kids will end up loving it. But I'm not sure little kids love LeBron James like that, to be honest with you. I don't know I don't... kids know who Bugs Bunny is now, quite honestly. That's other. It's kind of like like I, like we just got finished watching that damn Tom and Jerry movie. I was trying to figure out like. Why did Tom and Jerry get a movie now? Right. Like, it kind of didn't make no sense to me. Like, Was why? it any good? To me, it was fuck. I couldn't figure out what the purpose of the movie was. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, like, all the animals in the movie were just cartoons. And, like, people were just, like, like it was everyday shit. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was no real explanation behind why things were the way it was. It was just a fucking movie. So it was like Roger so, Rabbit? Not even like because with Roger Rabbit, it was acknowledged that that's the cartoons a movie that were needs there. A sequel. That's a movie that needs a sequel. Sorry, go ahead. More be still <laughs> because it's, it was hardcore adults in, 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 around these cartoons. Usually, it's a bunch of kitty adults around the kitty cartoons, but these was drinking, shooting, but, real adults around. But the these thing cartoons. is, like a sequel to Roger Rabbit for the cartoons and stuff that we watched and stuff when we were kids and stuff like that. When we talking about Bugs Bunny and. And Daffy and all them, all, all them WB cartoons and all them Hanna Barbera and all the other stuff. The majority of that stuff was geared towards adults. Most of that shit was adult writing. Right. Yeah, it was illustration and whatnot. It was a cartoon and shit. But shit they did in them cartoons was adult oriented, like crazy. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, like for like nowadays, like I don't really see that many kids watching those types of cartoons anymore. They're watching fucking. I don't even know if Door to Explore is even popular anymore. I don't no. even what PJ Mask, them fucking them 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 little kids running around the Cat Boy and the rest of them seem to be the kids now. Like I don't see kids watching Bugs Bunny and them. I mean, like like the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah, okay, yeah, they know who Mickey and them is because Dis- that's the way Disney always gonna be. You gonna know who Mickey and them are, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like the Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry, Droopy, them kind of cats. I don't even. I didn't even think kids even knew who they were. I, I haven't even seen like a current cartoon. Like they still show old episodes like back when I was a kid, and they only come on very so often. So it's kind of like like what? Who are you? Who are you looking to entertain with this movie? Other than the people who like LeBron James, like half the other people, if these kids, they gonna come in and see these cartoon kids. They not even gonna know who they are. So it's kind of weird to me, like like now, like you're making this movie now, 
where these cartoons aren't even relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I kind of see it like taking a drop. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't even thought about it. So yeah, between think, that and sorry, go and ahead. I, I I just don't, and, and I think well, I don't like basketball anymore the way it's played. So. You know, when you combine that with with the fact that those characters aren't relevant, I'm like, yeah, that's a movie I'm not going to see. And I'm going to do everything in my power <laughs> that my girls are not going to see any uh, any previews and even ask to go see it, even though I don't think they'll be that interested. They'll, they'll look at it as a cartoon. They'll be like, oh, okay, but they're not going to ask to see it. Right. Ain't nobody, ain't no kids in my house banging on my leg. Daddy, we got to go see Space Jam. No. I, that's one of the ones I really ain't got to worry about. <laughs> right. And, you know, LeBron's an icon, but I don't feel like he's an icon the way Michael Jordan was. I don't feel like kids are going to be clamoring to go to a movie just because LeBron James is in it. Can uh, somebody explain to me why people hate LeBron, LeBron James so much? I don't I really have no understanding of it. Like, folks really, they hate him as much as they hate Tom Brady. Well, but it's not... There's a lot of black folks who hate him the way they used to hate Kobe Bryant, right? Because mm. they hate that you're successful and not in my city. And frankly, he does do a lot of flopping, does do a lot of things that people find irritating from a competitive standpoint. Mm. Those are fans of basketball, right? Then you have the people who want anyone who's playing sports to shut up about anything social. So they don't mm. want you speaking out on situations and saying oh. that this is an injustice and all that kind of stuff. There right? are people I can give a fuck about. I'm I'm more talking <laughs> like like the people that you would speak for an example, like mostly like basketball here is like yeah. there, there's a general consensus of we hate LeBron James. And it's it's very weird to me. So the the thing the the weird thing with LeBron James is when it comes to his success, he's he's kind of been at both ends of the spectrum which is unusual. Like when you look at all the other greats, like Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, these type of people, right? Mm. When they got to the playoffs and especially in the finals, you always felt like they were giving you a hundred percent effort. You Mm. always felt like they were leaving everything on the floor. LeBron James has had multiple playoff series where it is definitely looked like he just gave up. Definitely look like, you know, I'm like, whatever, and just walked away. Like, he has been embarrassed badly in the playoffs before, which I feel like is not true when you look at those other greats. And so there are some people who look at LeBron and say, because of these things that have happened, I will never look at you the way that I look at Michael Jordan, no matter how many championship rings you win, Hmm. right? Now, I'm not one of those people because at this because from my standpoint, sure, there are some times you walked away and you lost. There are also some times where you won back to back and dominated everybody on the freaking floor. Mm-hmm. You know, like so to me, if you look at his whole career, you know, he's definitely up there. But there are some people who've seen things from him that they feel like they're never going to forget. And especially the diehard Michael Jordan fans, they don't want anybody being compared to Michael Jordan, period. Mm -hmm. So Kobe went through the exact same thing. Well, here's the thing about Jordan, and and Kobe is kind of in this realm too, is that Jordan, Jordan was hated when he was playing. Absolutely. Indiana, Detroit, New York, 
oh, well, these cities, they hated him. They mm-hmm. hated him. But mm-hmm. what what made them love him after he retired and, and the ultimate respect, because you know, all throughout his career, he got respect, right? But he was hated. If he wasn't in Chicago, he was hated because he would just come and he whoop your ass. But he got that respect because they knew he was the hardest working SOB in the building. They knew that. And he garnered that respect. And so when he retired, everyone loved him. He was loved by everyone because they had that respect for him going in. Same thing with Kobe. Kobe garnered that respect because, again, he was the hardest working SOB in the building. And I think Kobe lost some points because he did that snitching on, on Shaq during that whole, you know, trouble <laughs> with the women and all that. So I think that tarnished mm-hmm. it a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think he he overcame that and he just got because, again, first one in, last one gone. He got that respect. You know, like like Samori saying, this flopping, all of this, this is giving up. LeBron and then going mm-hmm. to multiple cities. You know, of course, Cleveland. I was just I, I about think, to say that. I don't think Cleveland could give a damn about him now because he came, left, mm-hmm. came back, left again, you know. And then uh, what he's been in, what is this like his third city now or how many? I don't know. I think it's more than that, ain't it? Uh, well, no. Okay. So well, he went from Cleveland to Miami, back to Miami, back to, to Cleveland, LA. and then he's in LA now, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that helps your stock either when you're when you go to multiple cities, even though that's that's the league now. That's just what they're doing now. But I, I think right. I think he gets like the credit for kind of jump starting that whole thing because he was such a big name. It's not like he's the first to do it, but he was such a big name to do it. Yeah. When when he went to the Miami Heat. And Chris Bosch also came there. They are the first ones to really take the bull by the horns and say, okay, you know what? We won a championship, so we're just going to come together in this place and make it happen. And so the thing is, again, it comes back to perspective. When you look at Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Kobe Bryant, all these people, they stayed in one city and they built that team up and they basically made everybody come to them who wanted to play with them. You know, you wanted to come, you wanted to play with Kobe, you needed to come to LA. Kobe was not going to come to your city to, to play with you. Whereas with LeBron James, he went to Miami to go play with Wade. Then he came back to Cleveland and then he left with LA again because he wanted to build up a market and be in, you know, where the glitz and glamour was. You know, so he didn't say, decide, okay, Cleveland is my city. I'm going to build that up. But at the same time, everywhere he went, he won a championship. All right. He won, I think, what? Did they win two or three in Miami? He won one in Cleveland, and he just won another one in L.A. So, you know, Did the they? one, yes, everywhere he goes, he won. They ain't won a championship in L.A., have they? Yeah, they just won last I year, didn't they? they? Yeah. Last yeah. year? Sure they Did they? Yeah, they just won, bro. Oh, next short season shit. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't even watch the final, so yeah, okay. That yeah, no, they won. They won. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it's like, yeah, he bounces around in different cities, and <clears throat> everywhere he bounces around, he wins a championship. I don't know if there's ever been anybody in the league who can say that, who can say, I went to these different cities, I led these people, and I won a championship with these people every single time. So, you know, what can you say? What can you say? Because it's not like he's coming to these ready-made teams. It's not like he's coming to teams that just won a championship last year. 
Like Dwayne Wade was already good, but they didn't win a championship the year before. It's not clear that they would have won a championship without him. Cleveland absolutely would not have won a championship without him. Mm. I mean, do y'all remember? And LA, the, they weren't doing anything either. Do y'all remember the feeling y'all used to have when you when you would watch like the Eastern Conference Finals and, and Bob Costas or whoever? would get on there, that music would be playing. He'd be, he'd be giving this whole story about how the season unfolded, the rivalry between the Bulls and the Pistons, how it happened last year. And you got this feeling, right? And it felt like basketball. Even the graphics was on point. Was right, like, yeah. it felt like basketball. <laughs> but this now feels like business. And sports fans do not like the business part. They they just want to see the the mm-hmm. basketball. They they like the story, the, the product. The, right. They don't they don't want it, it, if they had a choice, they don't want to hear about how much LeBron makes. Just like I, in mm-hmm. football. I don't think they care or want to hear about how big of a contract uh you know um Patrick Mahomes made. I don't care that he got 500 million. I don't. I I want to see right. him on the field. Let him get his money okay. That's fine. I don't need to hear about it. And I, I think fans are turned off by that. And, and when you jump around from team to team, I think they just see that building a market that, that's too business. And they want sports. They don't want they want the competition. Mm-hmm. Not I'm gonna build this super team and, and try to dominate. They don't want that. All right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it moves on because the NBA was definitely dealing with a ratings issue um, for that shortened season. So it'll be interesting once the playoffs get started, seeing if the ratings go back to the levels that they were hoping it would be. Man, it's funny you say it like that too, Hudson, because now I sit there and I think about it too. Like all them years that the Bulls was winning championships, it wasn't like they was trading for big-name players and stuff like, oh, we got to get him over here with, with Michael Jordan. Like, Michael Jordan pretty much made everybody who was on his team better. And everybody wanted everybody that was on his team at that point. Like, And that's how it kind of was in the NBA, too. Like, you know, when you got over to even Detroit through them years when it was Thomas and Rodman and Sally and all them other cats and whatnot, it, it wasn't like they – it wasn't like they was all trading for all these big time players who were playing for other teams. These was cats that came to that team, and then and then somebody on that team was either coaching or inspiring them all to be better and everything else. And everybody got better with each other on those teams. And it, it wasn't about creating super teams and shit. It was about who was the best player on your team who could bring people together to make them all better. It's like Mike. That's all you talked about with Michael Jordan. That's all he did. He had expectations. If you're gonna be on my team, he literally would tell your ass you wasn't gonna play unless you play hard. You gonna come in here and play hard? You gonna go sit your ass fuck down somewhere, dude? He punched. Yeah, I get. I get what you say on that. I can see why that's irritating. (laughs) He he punched Steve Kerr in practice, dude. That that came out in the documentary, dude. I mean, he was competitive, man. At the end of the day, if you look at that first championship team. Dude, I, yeah, I who was on it? When they talk about ain't nobody brought a, a sorry-ass team to the finals like like some of these other players. Dude, Jordan brought a sorry-ass team to the finals in that first championship. We <laughs> talk about Scottie Pippen. Like, Come on now. Scottie Pippen. But it wasn't like Scottie got, got traded or nothing like that. Scottie got, got drafted. 
Everybody's mm-hmm. got a second best player. That that's how it goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it depends but on. No, how but no, but the question is: Is your second best player a Hall of Famer? It, it's if you build him up. Jordan built him up. Yes, Scotty was good, but remember, he came from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Okay, he was mm-hmm. not. He was mm-hmm. not a highly coveted, highly rated. He was. A, he was a. He was a good player who needed to become great. He was a good player who was scared to take a hit. He was scared against those Pistons. He was scared in that physical lead. Jordan toughened him up. Put Pippen on any other team, he would not have been named one of the 50 greatest players. That's what we're talking mm. about, about you building up your team. He mm. he built Because not only is Jordan bringing on the team, Jordan will bring you on the team. Like he, he got motherfucking couch potatoes and shit, but if you actually put somebody on the team who actually had potential, like Scottie Pippen did, and you let Jordan meld him and fuck around and tough, toughen him up and put expectations on him and shit, you become a fucking Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, so, you put him with Clyde. You, you ain't Drexler, got people like that no more. Or you put him with, put him on the Pistons. You put him on anywhere. I, I'm sorry, he wasn't gonna be the player that he became with those Bulls. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, and that's how that's how most of it, you know, most of their legacies got cemented. You know, John Patson wouldn't be in the position he was in. He's in now if it wasn't for the Bulls. Steve Kerr, I guarantee you, not going to be in the position he's in if it wasn't for that success he had with the Bulls and that toughening he got at the hands of Jordan. They all admit they got a hell of a <laughs> hell of a hard hit mm-hmm. from Jordan when they played mm-hmm. with him. And that's just how it was. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't like him. <laughs> they didn't like him in yeah. practice, but damn it. Might get on my motherfucking nerve, but he got he me expected. paid. <laughs> yeah they'll never uh they'll never be another michael jordan that's for sure well, look at them names cliff Our- livingston stacy king i mean come on this <laughs> scott williams these people judd bushler was on one of these teams look dude, <laughs> these names that's on these hey man teams, bj armstrong was a stud <laughs> <laughs> he did all right <laughs> i think he eventually cracked the starting lineup <laughs> all right fellas i want to thank all of you for joining us here at sjh man cave we appreciate you spending time with us today remember that you can hear this and other episodes on all your major podcast platforms we are on youtube at sjh man cave once you're there please hit the subscribe button like and leave a comment you can also like share and follow us on facebook at sjh podcast family and at sjh man cave i would like to thank my two fellow podcasters jason and hudson for keeping it real. Until next time, this is your host, Samori, signing off.